0: It's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. What's up all of you beautiful people and welcome back to the all eyes podcast season two edition my name is robert Donaldson, and as always i'm joined by my co-host thad nelson who you can find on twitter at tnels 20 and he's you know he gives out a lot of really cool nuggets during the football season so perfect time to go over to twitter and follow him on there but it's it's been a while thad like what have you been doing with life up since, <laughs> since like we last talked
1: yeah um you know, spending my summer most time playing with uh, the the three year old and and hanging out and learning all sorts of things. Like most people, the last two weeks have been watching the Olympics and uh, cheering for teams and sports that I don't know very much about. And uh, a couple of the basketball, or you know, a few familiar names here or there. So doing that. Been uh, just now getting into summer league basketball, just starting. So checking on a couple of Hawks that we get a follow for that. So. Uh, just kind of enjoying my summer and uh, getting ready for football season to think that it's closing in and camp just started ready to go.
0: Yeah I mean they they call this like the dog days of summer right you know because it's kind of winding down into the fall and I found myself watching women's archery at like one o'clock in the morning the other night <laughs> didn't know what was going on I, I was like oh well but they can shoot it I guess then water polo is a thing too and yeah, the Olympics are always kind of fun because there's sports I didn't even know were an Olympic sport that are being nationally televised.
1: <laughs> yeah, like all the kayaking things and it's like, oh, all of a sudden I'm paying attention to something I had no clue that was a, a sport, let alone an Olympic sport. Yeah,
0: I always kind of enjoy that. And, I mean, the well, Caitlin Clark, by the way, I don't know if you saw that game, or at least the stat line that she put up today, but wow, she was going nuts. Yeah. I
1: mean, she's going to be the next one that, you know, and I would assume in, I guess, three years now that when they're in Paris, I would think she has a great chance to make the team USA for the women's. um, If they kind of go to their next iteration of that team, this year's team for the women had a lot of veterans, but I could see them turning over that roster and she'd be a perfect fit. I saw just some highlights and Cass, classic Caitlin Clark just bombing threes getting people involved in plays so just what she does
0: yeah and it's it's cool that there's like an excitement level um you know cuz with Luca gone the, you know it's kind of up in the air of how Iowa's men's basketball team is going to look next year there's obviously going to be a lot of excitement with that but then you have Caitlin Clark who's steady and then Spencer Lee and you know sports are still going to be a lot of fun um with the University of Iowa next year and and up the coming these seasons so you know, something to look forward to. And speaking of Luca Garza, I mean, have he is slimmed down so much? He looks so different. I was just watching the the preseason game like an hour before this, and wow, he just looks like a completely different human. <laughs>
1: yeah, they showed uh all of a sudden him go to the scores table to check in, and it, you know, you know it's him, but it does not look like him. It it kind of looks build wise like his freshman year when he came in, you know. But he's like slim face and out there moving around and uh, getting to the offensive glass, knocking down a few shots. So good to see him have some success and hopefully that can continue for him.
0: Yeah. And it, it hit, I think in the first minute he had like seven points and two offensive boards. So that's, and that's super cool. I just love it because, you know, there's so many people that have saying, Oh, well, he can't play in the NBA. He doesn't, his game doesn't translate. And immediately he just does that in his first little bit of action in the pro bowl. I, I love it. I just love it. But, um, yeah. I, I hope you guys are enjoying listening to us as much as we like getting on here. I say it all the time, but you guys are awesome. And you know, when we get on here recording, these is just so much fun because we can literally talk for an extra hour every time we hop on. Um, but we just kind of have to find the way just to say cut, um, <laughs> because we would just keep going and it would keep snowballing, but we're going to try to make these a little bit more bite sized and, and, um, I guess not as long as like maybe an hour or so each time, but that that's probably gonna and be an inevitable thing that just ends up happening anyway. So, but there's gonna be a conscientious effort there though. That's what you just gotta acknowledge. But um, that said, you know, since we last hopped on the pod, uh, we were covering the draft at that time, um, and a lot's happened. I mean, we already had our first NFL action, um, and Brandon Smith made a diving catch that kind of lit up the Twitterverse, right? And then. Before that, Texas and Oklahoma announced that they would be leaving the Big 12 and joining the SEC to make a super conference. And in between all of that, we got a Iowa football preseason depth chart release, which kind of seems less significant than those two things. But at the same time, it's always a really good thing just to bounce off and have discussions on because guys will pop up on the two deeps that we weren't necessarily expecting or guys are in different positions that we weren't necessarily expecting. Um, that said, I'm going to turn it to you, Thad. What do you want to talk about here first?
1: I I say we get right into some depth chart talk and um, talk a little bit, at least to start, about what we found out from the depth chart that they released right before Big Ten media days. Um, Iowa sent three players, and uh, once again, kind of a different media day uh, with some – distancing requirements but iowa sent three players uh, a few clips from coach ference and um, we've got a depth chart so it's a place to start where camp just starting up so those guys are all together you know they go hotel football facility back to hotel and that's really their life for the next little bit but at least we get a little taste a little touch of who we might be seeing on the field in this upcoming season.
0: Yeah, the season kind of feels tangible, like it's it's right there. You know, we're so close to it. And I mean, once it happens, there's going to be 15 straight weeks of 15, 16 straight weeks of just college football every single Saturday. I mean, that's that's just the, my favorite time of the year. So um, both of our favorite time of the year, I imagine. Um, that said, when you're looking at this, let's focus on the offensive side of the the two deeps right now on the preseason depth chart. Who are a couple of guys or a handful of guys that you know really stood out to you? That whether they you know appeared on the list at all, or um, were they listed, or just things that maybe you're noticing about the depth chart when you look at it in sort of a, a layout kind of format?
1: Well, the first thing is I was, you know before taking a look at this, I was looking at the one that got released in the spring, and there aren't a lot of differences. Um, a couple of small things: uh, Cody Ince was listed at right tackle. He's now listed at left guard, which is kind of where, they, where they've they been playing him in the past. Um, and that they put Nick DeYoung in there uh, at right tackle. And the big thing I notice is you just feel really good about the center, the, I guess, the center and guard position on the offensive line. And with Iowa football, especially on the offensive side, it starts at the offensive line. You know, that's kind of always, okay, how's this football team going to look? Well, it really starts there and you feel really good about the interior of this group. And when you've listened to little clips, you can tell the coaches feel really happy about that. And then you even look at, you know, what's behind them. You know, you have in Slenderbaum bomb shot listed as the starters, but somebody like Justin Britt who saw action as a freshman uh, Mason Richmond who saw action as a true freshman last year, uh, but was able to keep his red shirt. So you see some names that maybe you're familiar with or like maybe have heard. And I'm just really excited to see the progression of that group. And there's a couple guys like Insk. Is he a guard? Could they put him at tackle? Same with Richmond. You could move him inside or out. And how does Jack Plum do with his move to left tackle? So that's the part that I'm hoping we hear a few nuggets and kind of see what the coaches are going to mix and match to find the most effective five.
0: Yeah. And I think you said it like the interior. I don't think that there's any kind of hiccups. And if anything, it's almost an embarrassment of riches right there. Um, And that's kind of where you want it to be. If you can have like a center core piece on the offensive line, tackle positions, you can almost manipulate a little bit just to maybe offset how much of a a detriment they're being to an offense if They're underperforming at those spots, but interior wise, you can't really do anything about it. If you guys have guys who aren't good flat out. And when you look at Tyler Linderbaum and Kyler shot and Cody ince, these are guys who last year and in years past have just been amazing. I mean, these are all guys who are probably going to be, have NFL futures Linderbaum, most notably. I mean, he's a potential first round pick in my opinion. Um, But Kyler shot, I think is one of the least talked about guys on that offensive line who is just so steady and so good. Not a crazy athlete, but he gets at anywhere he needs to get, and he holds up and anchors well against the point of attack. Um, So the interior being that strong is just really encouraging, especially when you're talking about uh, Spencer Petrus' second year of development. That said, at tackle, um, the names that kind of, I guess, jumped out to me when I saw the preseason depth chart were Mason Richmond and then Connor Colby, who... And I will say this, I'm ashamed to admit, Connor Colby went to my high school that I graduated from, and I didn't know he existed until about three weeks ago.
1: <laughs> I, I, uh, I've i been on the uh, Connor Colby train since I saw last year, there's a video of him picking up a fumble and just racing by people to the end zone. Um, and it's like, all right, keep eyes when a guy that's 6'6", six, six, close to 300 pounds is doing that, like okay, that's a pretty good sign.
0: <laughs> I mean, yeah, I I also, once I, you know, saw his name and where he's from, I looked into his huddle highlights and, and I saw that he's a pretty touted recruit. And, I mean, he's coming in at 6'6", 298 is what he's listed as a true freshman. And that's nuts. Um, these guys, the way they're filled out now coming out of high school is just kind of crazy. Um, and, you know, there was a time in my life where I, I was really following recruiting, you know, because um, – I just was something that was intriguing to me. Team building was always my favorite things and in video games growing up, right. And like the sports video games, I just wanted to build. I didn't want to actually play. I just wanted to recruit in NCAA football and things like that. But sort of as time kind of went on and, you know, I started devoting a lot of time to the NFL draft and then covering the NFL and covering Iowa football. Recruiting was like that one thing that just turned into a really hard follow for me because there's so many guys in class. Um, huddle highlights can sometimes be hard to find on guys and they're just highlights. So sometimes the projection um, until you see them actually play is kind of murky at times. And then there will be guys that are committed and all of a sudden they're just not attending the school and uh, like two months later. So I I really wish I could get more into recruiting because some of these names when they pop up as like freshmen or even uh, redshirt freshmen on the two deeps, I don't know anything about them. Like, uh, you know, I look at Keegan Johnson, um, and I, you've talked about him on the pod and you, you're really excited about him. And now all of a sudden he's on the two deep wide receiver chart. And I mean, that's not an act accident for a true freshman, you know what I mean? So what can you tell me about Keegan Johnson and why I should be excited about him?
1: Well, one good thing about the craziness of last year is a lot of these high school football games were online and, uh, Keegan Johnson was somebody I was able to watch a few times and just a really talented player uh, came in in the spring. Uh, he's out of Bellevue West a suburb, just outside of Omaha, Nebraska. And his dad was a, a football player at Nebraska, won a national title there. His brother was at South Dakota state and um, actually for opted out of this last season uh, to prepare for the NFL. And I'm pretty sure he signed a free agent contract somewhere. And, But Keegan Johnson, a well-regarded recruit, 6'1", close to 200 pounds, really can do it all. I I think when you see him from a football skill standpoint, think somebody like DJK. I mean, I I don't know if he has that same top end speed, but, you know, strong, runs really good routes, good hands, um, was a part of a really talented Bellevue West team, but they used him everywhere, you know. Out wide, he did some wildcat uh, quarterback stuff. Actually, some schools as a junior um, wanted him as a safety. So that's kind of one place Iowa had a little bit of a heads up on some of the other schools is Iowa really wanted him as a wide receiver early on, while some other schools, especially when he was a sophomore and junior, might have been looking at him as a possible safety prospect. So big, physical, really fluid athlete athlete. and comes in right away and and makes a name for himself and gets put on that depth chart right away and I, I think he's going to be a really good player. He's going to play a lot for him just because it is a position of need. But uh, just kind of does everything you want. You're going to see him out on the field. He's not going to look like a freshman. Um, and just really good body control. That's the other thing I think you'll just see with him is you know he moves and has has such a good feel for the game. And now you, first game you're going to jump into Big Ten play you know how's that going to react well we'll see but uh, just a really talented player I think that's going to have a really good career and and help this team this year
0: you know the way you kind of described him and maybe I'm a little bit off base I've seen a little bit of him now but um Amir Smith-Marset right (laughs) I mean 6'1 200 about his same weight you compared him stylistically to DJK I mean Amir is probably pretty stylistically um you know similar as well And I think that's the cool thing about when you look at these preseason depth charts, especially the ones that have come uh, closer to uh, the actual season itself. You know, when you see a young guy like a true freshman or a redshirt freshman on the two deeps, it's not accidental. And it's not like they're trying to, um, you know, praise a guy for uh, being on the program for, you know, four years or whatever. Like sometimes you'll see. Um, an upperclassman name pop up that you're just like, oh, well, that, that guy's never played before. And it almost feels like, you know, they're just trying to show some praise to the guy for um, sticking around and being part of the program. But when you see a true freshman, I mean, those guys turn into impact players typically, I think. You know, like Tyrone Tracy was a guy that as a true freshman appeared on that list. Um, I think Sam Laporta was one as well. Um, Noah Fant and, you know, guys like that. And immediately you just that name sticks with you so when you look down the list and he's one of the few true freshmen that are listed on there except for i guess connor colby on offense those are two names that i think you know two years down the line are probably going to be guys who are fixtures in iowa's attack on offense
1: and it's something you also see iowa those are two guys who were in iowa city in the spring you know so they got spring ball as well and it's not something that Iowa takes advantage of a lot. You know, you see a lot of other schools pushing some of those guys to come in early. And Iowa typically is a school that doesn't do that. You'll hear Coach Ferentz tell those guys, you know, you only get to be a senior once, you know, go enjoy those things. But it's some guys that were ready to to show up and, and wanted to help contribute. And to see those guys after just spring, you know, literally they just had the spring. These came out before fall camp to show that, I deserve to be on this list is you know really telling and and says a lot about the types of players and how they show up and, and kind of do their job and the way they approach it right away.
0: Yeah, for sure. And it, and it's something that when there's so much turnover at a position too, young guys are going to be sometimes shoe like shoehorned in or forced in before they're necessarily, you know, developed fully, right? They're almost going to have to develop on the fly. And so when I look at Tackle the interesting part of it, whether it's left tackle or right tackle, I just like that there's so much youth there because nobody really knows what Nick DeYoung is going to look like or what Jack Plum is going to look like. There were some moments last season where Jack Plum looked pretty good, um, but technically there's still a lot of flaws and a lot of flaws that could lead to some real issues for a team that I think is probably wanting to contend for a Big Ten title this year, in my opinion, Um and so if, you know, he starts off slow or if they're sort of taking advantage of him on that side, what happens? You you mentioned that at the beginning, maybe Cody Ince slides out to left tackle. But what if it's Mason Richmond or Connor Colby taking over one of those spots? Um, you know, I, I think it's potentially going to be one of those years where we do have a revolving door at one of those positions. Um, and we're probably going to see either Connor Colby or Mason Richmond starting some games this year. I wouldn't be surprised even if there's not an injury.
1: You know, you made a good point earlier uh, when you were talking about, you know, having that solid interior and from a standpoint of, you know, if you're an offensive coordinator, if your center of your line is getting beat frequently, there's really nothing you can do. Like if you're just getting beat up the middle, they're going to get there right away. There's nothing you can do. At least on the edges, you know, you can provide help with tight ends, you can put receivers in motion, and you can use your running backs, and it's not something Iowa wants to do frequently. You know, they're going to coach their linemen. You've got to win your one-on-one, but if push comes to shove, you can do a little bit more on the outside. In the middle, if you're just getting beat, there's nothing you can do. Guys don't have time to step up. You know, it's one thing if you're in a blitz protection, a running back can step up, but if a defensive lineman is strictly shooting the gap and beating those guys, there's nothing you can do. So at least from that standpoint, I think if you have a place where maybe you do have a little bit of a weakness or maybe not even a weakness, just you're unsure, it's easier to provide help in those positions. You can get motion. You can make the defensive end, not pin his ears back, you know, or not let a lot outside linebacker get a free run. So from that standpoint, if you're calling plays, if you're designing things, if you're scheming for your next week, you at least have a chance to say, OK, we have a way to mitigate some of those um, weaknesses or unknowns, I guess I should say.
0: Yeah, for sure. I mean, and, you know, just building off that point. Yeah, there's a, there's so much you can do. But if the interior sucks, you can't mask anything. You know, it's it's just if it's going to be bad, it's going to be a jailbreak every single time. So. I agree with everything you just said. Um, and then when you look down the rest of the offensive depth chart, I mean, there's nothing that really stands out as like too surprising, I would say. I mean, is there anything else that, outside the offensive line and Keegan Johnson that um, deserves maybe a little bit of spotlight?
1: You know, the only one I was going to mention with that is it is good to see Ivory Kelly Martin's name um, listed. He had an ACL injury. And there's been a few clips from fall camp, and he's full participant. Sounds like everything's going really well, and he's a player that's a redshirt senior now. And I remember his freshman year, seeing some things out of him I really liked. He had great burst, and he just kind of had that injury bug. He's, you know, it's whether it's an ankle, you know, that kind of was a nagging injury for a while, and then the knee. So I'm hopeful he can come back, um, because I was going to use two or three running backs. Going to be something that they're going to have to do, and Tyler Goodson's going to get his touches whether it's running the ball, uh, option out of the backfield. But we saw this offense use some formations with two running backs, you know, shotgun with two or different looks, whether it was, you know, not just wildcat looks, but other looks where two guys are on the field to make the defense adjust to that. So they're going to need some depth there. So it was good to see his name. The other one, you know, I just like it tight end obviously i think sam laporta is the well-known name and can have a great year but at backup a redshirt freshman and i've looked everywhere to make sure to find the correct <laughs> pronunciation of the last name like the university sports page doesn't have anything um i don't know if it's luke if it's Latchy, um lashy i'm not sure but i do know when he was coming out of high school as a recruit um somebody i really liked 6'6 close to 250 pounds his dad was an offensive lineman at Ohio State, um, but he's one of those, like, I didn't watch much of his football clips, obviously a little bit, but his basketball highlights, and I've talked about this in the past, but those skill positions, you get to see that explosiveness. Um, he's a strong build, you know, at six, six. sometimes those guys get a little lanky, but he's a strong build, was an explosive physical basketball player as a high schooler. Um, and I think he's, you know, going to be a really good second option because just like I mentioned at the running back position, I was going to play two tight ends, and it'd be really nice if it's not, you know, two tight ends where the second tight end is a glorified lineman, yeah. because they've had success. You know, there's been guys like Nate Weeding and some other guys that were basically glorified linemen, um, and not that there's anything wrong with that, but to have a real legitimate second receiving option there. And somebody that's, you know, 6'6", 250 uh, can be something that really helps this offense as well. So seeing his name there, somebody I really liked as a high school recruit and good to see him seeming to progress the way they expected.
0: Yeah. The second you said, when you look at tight end, I was like, he's going to say, how do you pronounce that name? Or I was waiting for you to like point it out to me. Is it, I think it might be Lachey. It Just looks like Lechi.
1: Yeah, it might it might be. I've I think I've heard it a few times, and I've never figured out which it is. <laughs> so I'll go with Lechi. I but uh, yeah, it's just another one that I'm excited to see. And like I said, I dug around trying to find anywhere. Usually on Hawkeye Sports, they under rosters they have it for ones that aren't obvious. Um, but they failed me there. I, I did not <laughs> have it.
0: But no, I also I also like that you pointed out Ivory Kelly Martin because I I do think that nowadays, especially on like social media and things like that, people are always so obsessive over who is starting at certain positions, who's like the number one guy. Um, you know, whether it's quarterback or running back. And the number two running back in Iowa system almost gets about thirty-five percent of the backfield touches each game, it feels like. You know, they're not gonna run Tyler Goodson into the ground. They're gonna have a healthy rotation every single time. So yeah, it's Tyler Goodson is the starter. He's the guy that's going to have a lot of the bulk of the carries. But that second guy better be able to play. And you want him to have some playmaking kind of ability that when Tyler's off the field, they still have something to lean on. You know what I mean? Um, that's how it kind of was when there was the LaShawn Daniels-Akram Wadley kind of split. When LaShawn was on the field, you kind of felt like he could pick up some yards on his own and really barrel through guys. But when Akram got on the field, you thought they're... Maybe it was an upgrade. Maybe there was more playmaking, something like that. They're, so, the, you know, Ivory Kelly Martin, a lot of people forget, like you said, he has a lot of burst. Um, who knows what he looks like now? Because we haven't really seen him um, too much of him in, in recent years. But if he's still even somewhat of the guy who had that flash potential and maybe has improved on things like um, just driving through broken tackles a little bit better or having a little bit better vision, I mean, he's going to be a pivotal part who can maybe even potentially be like um, an upgrade over Makai Sargent, in my opinion, just based on where we last saw him and the potential that he had at that time.
1: Yeah. He, he came out of, I want to say it was his true sophomore fall camp. He came out number one on the depth chart, you know, and got those starter carries that first game. I want to say it was his true sophomore season um, before having some ankle injuries um, and some setbacks physically, but, somebody who prior to the injuries really flashed, got burst, has, you know, can run through tackles um, is a good option out of the backfield. You know, when he was younger, that's a place they used him in the screen game or a uh, little Texas route out of the backfield. So I'm hoping he can have that, you know, special senior season that some of those guys tend to have, or Kirk Ferentz always mentions, you need a few of those good stories. And here's somebody who's battled through it, probably had some, Thoughts or options to transfer and get those starter, you know, carries knowing that Tyler Goodson, who was first team, all big 10 is coming back. Um, So I just really hope he has one of those seasons um, because he's somebody that's got a lot of talent.
0: Yeah, I I'm I'm still surprised that he's with the program, to be completely honest. He was definitely a guy that I thought would go elsewhere to pursue uh, more, more carries and more touches for his final year but I I love that he's back and yeah, it would be really cool if he had like sort of a Jordan Kanziri ask or something, you know, like a high impact for this team because he's going to get touches. If he's the number two guy, Um, who knows how that changes as the season goes on. But right now looking like the number two guy, that's probably good for about 10 touches per game on average. Um, We'll see. I'm obviously pulling for him and it'd be really cool if he just, had a great senior season and went off and maybe had a shot at playing pro ball somewhere. Um, but as we sort of transition to the defensive side of the depth chart, there's a lot of turnover on, uh, on the defensive side just because a lot of guys went on to the NFL, a lot of guys graduated um, and there's transfers that we can talk about. There's guys who we didn't expect to be back that decided, you know what? I'm coming back. (laughs) And so I guess, what are your your takeaways when you look at um, the defensive side of the two deeps?
1: Well, you look at the, the back seven and it's just kind of an embarrassment of riches back there right now. You know, so many people back um, depth, you know, you feel like they could really do about anything, you know, do they want to play big? They could do that. Do they want to go nickel or dime? They could do that. Do they, you know, basically anything they want to do, they have the option to do on that back end, and you know that's going to be really important because you do look at the front, and you know Zach Van Valkenburg, somebody who came back for his sixth season, um, is going to be his third season at the University of Iowa. Huge to get him back, but other than that, it's a lot of names that maybe you've heard. It was guys that would come in and spell. You know, John Wagner has been coming in to give, you know, short stints, Noah Shannon, same way. So you see some of those names, but those, you know, Joe Evans, those are guys who have just been kind of spot minutes, you know, okay, we need you for one series. Can you spell a guy? So can those guys step in and play 60 snaps? Because you know, that's where those top guys, they're going to want them to be in that 50 to 60 snap range. And outside of Van Valkenburg, we just don't know if they can. And there's a lot of names I really like, you know, Yah black is somebody who has a recruit. I was really intrigued by massive body, uh, moves really well in his, uh, you know, I think it was, you know, right before they show up to camp or something, when they first get to camp, they do short interviews and it's his comment. They're like, well, what's your favorite thing about playing football? And he's like, I just like to hit people. You know, he's one of those type of guys. And Logan Lee is another guy that, uh, you really liked, was had an option to play, maybe thought he might be a tight end, but now he's 6'5, 277. You know, they thought maybe offense or defense. Um, Lucas Van Ness is on there as a redshirt freshman, 6'5. The big thing I noticed with a lot of the young players, and really it's on both sides of the ball, is they've just recruited a lot of size. So many 6'4, 6'5, 6'6 guys. Um, so with this line, you know, if they end up with you know Wagner at 65, Black at 65 and six, 64. It can be a good big line. We just don't know if they can handle, you know, that many snaps in the Big 10.
0: Yeah, and honestly, that's kind of like when I'm looking at it, like the weights. Um for me, I mean, think about Davion Nixon pushing a little bit maybe above 300 last year and Jack Heflin who was definitely over 300. And now the two interior guys who are being listed as you know the starters on the two dudes for right tackle and, and left tackle defensively are Noah Shannon at 289 and then Yah Black at 287. Um, there's a weight decrease there. <laughs> you know, last year we talked about it a lot how um, Iowa's interior defensive line, whether it was Davion Nixon or Jack Heflin, who was a beast against the run, they were holding up two blockers at once and they were really anchoring down. And stopping the run interior-wise, and then the edge. I mean, Chauncey Golston is just a monster, and they added in a lot of blitz packages to get after the quarterback and things like that. Um, but now it almost feels like there's going to be an identity shift this year, um, and certain things are going to have to happen to, you know, just kind of adjust to one the youth that we just talked you just talked about, um, and probably rotations. But like, how do they rotate? Inside and kind of um, mimic last year's performance. I don't know if they can. And then, you know, you look at left end um, with John Wagoner and Joe Evans. So, Joe Evans was a guy a couple years ago who um, had like a pretty good production, productive year. You know, per snap that he was on the field, I mean, he was getting a lot of sacks, uh, a lot of cleanup sacks, but he's still right there and um, showed a lot of promise. That said, you know, That's going to be a massive downgrade from Chauncey Golston. I mean, that's just kind of inherently going to be the case. But at the same time, you would like to see somebody maybe younger out of those two other than John Wagoner or Joe Evans kind of step into that frame, um, in my opinion, just because we haven't seen it from John Wagoner yet um, to really an exciting level. And then with Joe Evans, I think he's almost kind of like third and long situations and, and obvious passing downs because he has that mobility to kind of drop back and be a versatile piece on defense but that's kind of that area um the defensive line is a big question mark this year you know last year we were so excited about it and every single week it was a it was a real treat to watch because it was probably one of the best defensive lines i was had in in decades right um but now it, it it definitely is a big question mark and there's a lot of answers that need to be well a lot of questions that need to be answered
1: yeah, you mentioned, you know, the size. You, you go to the backups, you know, Van s 6'5", 264. And I know some of the young guys, sometimes those are a little under. But, you know, when he came in, he had that defensive end build really long. You know, and in the spring, heard some good reports that he was playing well. Uh, Logan Lee, 277. So it's not like you're, you're talking really big guys behind there. I will say with Black, you know, 287 where they list him I wouldn't be surprised if that's on an under report you know not to say that you know he's way over that but um he is a really big dude and I could see him you know by the season being closer to that 295 range and I'm pretty sure for Noah Shannon 289 might be the lowest he's been yeah. since he got to Iowa you know he's tr- somebody who's transformed his body uh for the better so You know, it's not like you said though. It's not what they had last year in the interior, and that defensive line was special last year. It let those young linebackers roam and make plays and shine. So it's going to be different this year, and you know, somebody might step up. You know, they're going to need to develop some some depth. You know, you see at right end as a backup. You know, Deontay Craig, another redshirt freshman, a young player, uh, really explosive. Somebody that I wouldn't be surprised gets used in maybe a Raider package or something like that as a pass rush specialist, but somebody we didn't really see either in the past. So there's, as you said, a lot of questions, Um, but luckily for them, you know, if anything gets by them, it's a wall of guys you want to see back there. And in the back end, you know, it's going to start with Jack Campbell and talked about him all last year, Um, just a really special interior linebacker. And Benson played so well last year at times. So at least you've got that stability back there and Dane Belton at the cash position. Um, I'm interested to see how much, you know, is does somebody like Justin Jacobs get some reps? He looked looked good at times last year, um, but they just, when they go cash, he wasn't on the field. So is he somebody that they find a way to play or is it all Dane Belton? But on the back end, you know, Belton, Hankins, Merriweather, Kerner Moss like you're not going to get better than that and that doesn't nowhere on this list of the two deeps is somebody like Xavier Williams who is an NFL prospect transfer from UNI that I do know had an injury and missed most of spring but somebody who's talented enough to play so it's just so many options on that back end
0: yeah and you know you brought up Justin Jacobs and he was a guy that in the first two weeks had a lot more playing time and then just got like nothing the rest of the season. But in those two games, the athleticism is super clear with him, right? I mean, the second you watch him, you're like, wow, that guy moves different for a, a 240-pounder kind of guy. And whether you know there's issues of him just um, having issues with play recognition or whatever of why he didn't see the field the rest of the season, I don't really know, obviously. Um, at the same time, There's a lot of potential there. You can just see the way he flies to the ball and his natural instincts when we saw him just shoot a gap where, you know, he was on a line. I mean, he was taking direct lines to guys and he had a lot of burst. Um, And now he's being listed as the cash slash Leo number two guy behind Dane Belton. It'll be interesting to see what how they use him or if they use him or what kind of role he emerges into as the season goes on. I always think when I look at, well, I, when I watched him play last year, you know, him and Jack Campbell are almost in the same kind of mold for a role. You know what I mean? They kind of play the game the same kind of way. Um, and obviously I think Jack Campbell, just from what we've seen is probably the superior player because that guy, I mean, he was making so many plays last year, but it does kind of open up the question of, well, is Justin Jacobs going to get enough playing time to really warrant his talent? um or i guess is his talent you know just going to be overlooked and is he a guy that maybe we talk about transferring out in a year if he doesn't get enough playing time because he wasn't even in the rotation last year so it'll be interesting to see how um Phil Parker kind of uses him and how they go about that that said um you were talking about Noah Shannon and you you were talking about his weight being down to 289 and yeah that's definitely a a weight decrease and he's always been a guy for me that you know, I, I saw the hype of what people wanted him to be. But um the question with him, he's almost like a, one of those tweener kind of guys where he definitely wasn't strong enough um to really anchor down like a Jack Heflin and barrel down two guys to stop the run. But you saw that it kind of explosionness explosiveness at times that he said, Well, if you know, he can't really anchored down and and take on two blockers, at least he could potentially be like a three tech or like a, a bulldog kind of uh one technique or nose tackle who could get after the passer a little bit. Um now I guess that weighting that weight decrease is kind of pointing to, you know, him probably wanting a little bit more explosiveness and a little bit more movement ability. Um so maybe he, we're gonna have a new look Noah Shannon and, and you know he was already an explosive figure when he got playing time. Um so maybe he's taking another leap in that athleticism direction and that that would be a real uh nice thing especially with davion nixon gone um but yeah you talked about it with the back end i mean the linebacking core is insane the cornerback core is insane i I don't think either of us thought matt hankins would be back um and then xavier williams is a a random ad that we didn't expect either and then you just kind of factor in guys taking the next step in their development, the younger guys. I mean, that that's about as sound of a back end as um, Iowa football has had in quite some time, I think.
1: Yeah, there's just no holes, you know, and, and plenty of experience. We saw Kayvon Merriweather really improve as last season went on. And I know we'll talk about it in another pod, but uh, – Phil Parker was, was on an hour long pod. And one thing he talked about with him is they just wanted to see him go from like having the ability to do it, to doing it all the time. And he said, you know, sometimes he'd just almost be jogging out there and just to use his athleticism and his explosiveness. Um, and we started to see that at the end of the year, you know, somebody in that strong safety role is going to need to be all over the field. And he took a big step forward and, you know, guys like Hankins, Kerner, and Moss, I don't know how many snaps or starts they have between them. You could look it up, but it's a lot. And a lot of good ones, you know, quality play from those guys. And, you know, we haven't even talked about maybe the most important guy on the defense listed at punter
0: returning <laughs> All-America,
1: I'll <count> Tory Taylor. <laughs> you know, what type of jump are we going to see from him?
0: Yeah, I he's a guy that, you know, the NIL deal is going to really, <laughs> really... uh help him out <laughs> he's gonna be selling punters are people too t-shirts he's gonna um all the australian merch that he can push to iowans i i already know that like when you show up to a game there's gonna be people outside of the stadium with you know tory taylor t-shirts and things like that and i bet he's getting a cut of it too
1: <laughs> yeah as as those guys deserve you know so it's good to see uh you know some of those guys being able to collect i don't want to say cash in because it's not like they're doing anything wrong but you know be able to collect for their notoriety and in the positive things they're doing for the university so uh yeah i i'm with you on that he's somebody who's got an opportunity to to you know put his name out for things like that so you, you add that in it's just there's so many questions up front and so few questions on the back end really in the back it is like how are they going to figure out how to use all these guys in a role that's productive for the for the team, you know, because it's not like some of the positions we mentioned on offense where you're going to play multiple guys and do a lot of rotating or even on the defensive line where you're going to rotate, like your cornerbacks aren't coming out for a series. You know, you're not switching a safety for a series. So how are you going to make use of all of these guys? And it's a good problem to have, but one that, you know, we need to see how that plays out and, you know, through this fall camp.
0: For sure. And, you know, not to, Go down a too big of a rabbit hole, but um, when you have a fresh, uh, new look defensive line for the most part, other than Zach Van Valkenburg, you know, and when you consider last year's defensive line and and just linebackers and their and their ability to blitz uh, and get for the quarterback, that kind of aids you um, on the back end, obviously, because you know the quarterback's having less time to throw. Um, What happens if the pass rush isn't even half of what it was last year? You know, are these guys in the on the back end who are some of them are established veterans. Some of them we haven't really seen um, too in depthly, but we are. There's a lot of promise. Do these guys still hold up when there's not um, that crazy pass rush uh, still present in the quarterback's faces?
1: Yeah, and really, defense is going to start. If you look at Iowa's, you know, records, there's a pretty strong correlation between how their defensive line performed and what their final record is. You know, for a while there was that 30 sack number where it's like, if they get 30 sacks, they're going to win nine, 10 games. <laughs> and when you look at this group, you say, well, how are they going to get that number? Because, you know, nobody's jumping off the page and be like, okay, that guy, you can pencil him in for eight. This guy might get six, you know, it's it's going to take a collective effort. And, and there's nobody that jumps off on that saying, okay, this guy's going to have to get doubled. You know, Van Valkenburg had a really good season. What's it look like when he doesn't have Hefflin and Nixon inside of him? Not saying he can't still look good, but it's something we haven't, we don't know. You know, so what does he look like when he's the primary focus, maybe of the offensive line and how the offense is scheming?
0: Yeah, and you know, just I'm going to go back to the left end position because. That's where I look, and I'm like, I need to see some more promise there. But correct me if I'm wrong. Um, Yaya Black had a series at defensive end against Penn State this past year, right?
1: Yeah, he was a, was listed at defensive end last year. was number two a couple times on the depth chart, but yeah, originally was a was a defensive end and just kind of outgrew that position. Position.
0: Interesting. I wonder if maybe. I don't know. I mean, we saw at times like when they got an obvious passing downs in years past, Davion Nixon slotted out there. Um, maybe if they feel a little bit more confident with some of the guys on the inside and how they're performing, just to make up some of those sack, that sack production, maybe Yaya black, um, sees some time at left. end. I don't, I wonder how he's moving now. Like, Cause you said that he put on a little bit of weight. Um, I remember on film, just watching him in that Penn state game. He was a massive guy, like long arms, um, big body. I wonder how he's moving now if he's put on a little bit more weight.
1: Yeah. And the questions with him last year, you know, obviously as a true freshman last year, the coaches really liked him. They said in practice, he was flashing nonstop and then he'd get into the games and was just a little tentative, you know, maybe not wanting to make a mistake. So the other part is in the interior, just, you know, it's a big thing for a red shirt freshman to be an, every down interior player in the big 10. You know, and he has has the size. You think coming in, but what's that look like from an every down play? Can he give the effort needed every down? And in you know, like you said though, maybe it's sometimes you get him out wide, you move him around. Um, really, a, a special athlete to move around at that size.
0: Yeah, and you know, when you look at the depth charts on um, offense and defense. It's it's fun that there's a lot of names that we don't really know or haven't really seen in action, right? Because although it could be a bad thing if, you know, all of these, you know, a doomsday kind of scenario, um, if none of these guys can really live up to their expectations or play at a high level. But at the same time, you have to kind of give Iowa the benefit of the doubt in player development. And a lot of these new names, maybe they become the Zach Van Volkenberg from last year, right? Or, you know, the Jack Heflin from last year when they just kind of stepped onto the scene and immediately were just guys that you could trust and were going to make plays. Um, and, you know, even Jack Campbell, right? Maybe there's another guy out there just kind of like that who's going to make a splash impact. And we're going to be looking back on this podcast like, why were you ever worried?
1: <laughs> yeah, you know, I'm excited to see somebody like Tyrone Tracy Jr. step into that full-time role. You know, I think back to when he, when Brandon Smith got hurt two years ago and he stepped in and made some huge plays in a few games as an every down guy. So people like that, it's like, okay, we've seen him kind of in sub packages or a few different ways. Like, okay, now he's the primary guy, somebody that's really explosive with the ball in his hands. What does that look like? You know, on the other side, what does it look like with Reganey? You know, maybe not always in the splot. In the slot, is he going to be out wide a little more? You know, do they bring Charlie Jones and put him out wide some? Or is he in the slot? And he's somebody, too, that was effective in their jet sweep game. You know, and I think that's something we might see a lot. You look at, you know, Tracy, Jones, Reganey. Those are all guys who have gotten the ball on a jet sweep. You know, there's nobody out there that is kind of that least listed on this group. Nobody in that Brandon Smith body where somebody you might not give the ball in that situation. You know, so so many options of different ways they can utilize those guys, and that's the interesting part to me. Nobody on that receiving core is a guy that I'm looking at like, okay, you have to be an X, you have to be a Y, you have to be a Z. Like those guys, Tracy could play all three. Uh, Reganey can play two of the spots. Keegan Johnson eventually could play all three. So just a lot of options within um, the depth chart that they've listed so far. And there's always going to be somebody who moves up during this fall.
0: Yeah. And um, what I kind of like when, well, I don't like when great players graduate and go on in the NFL, but sometimes it, it can actually serve as, you know, a betterment to the team. Um, just because of development and a player getting more opportunities, almost force fed to him, because like last year, if Tyron Tracy drops a ball, which he, he's had an issue of um, most notably, you know, if he drops a ball, you can bench him the rest of the game, and Amir and Brandon Smith and and Charlie Jones or Niko Organi will carry you the rest of the way. Now Brandon Smith and Amir are gone. If he drops a ball, you're keeping him in. You know, and and I think he's a guy that is such a natural playmaker that if he just gets the ball in his hands, it only takes one of uh, his five catches or one of his um, eight targets or nine targets to turn it into like a seventy-yard touchdown. Um, and I think that potentially maybe more explosive plays um, are going to be coming out of the receiving court just because of that reason.
1: And this offense is going to need that, you know, really every offense does, but you need those guys. You need to have two, three, four guys on the offense that have the, at least potential to break a touchdown at any at any moment. So like you said, somebody who's just going to have to be out there and a playmaker, when he gets the ball in his hands, he can make at least the first guy miss. And who knows what happens after that?
0: Yeah. Um, And, you know, guys, uh, there's going to be football on every single Sunday and every single Saturday from here on out. I'm I'm so excited. Um, I I can't wait to get actually be talking about actual games um, and and how players are actually doing in games. I'm just I I love this time of year. It's just the build up and the anticipation is definitely on the, the brink of it. Um, Before we sign off, Dad, is there anything else you want to talk about as it pertains to the defensive side of the depth chart or just the depth chart overall?
1: No, it's just nice to see, you know, some of the names. And as I mentioned earlier, see some guys that I do follow recruiting a little bit more and see some of the guys that that when they came out that were guys that I kind of like their film or thought, okay this this body type or this thing fits a mold that has been successful at Iowa. So good to see some of those other guys you know, show up some of the, and some of the young players, okay. They, they had a good spring. You know, you mentioned the two true freshmen on offense um, and you met, see some red shirt freshmen on the defensive end. So for those guys to go through, you know, a limited year last year and the way I always come back to the way last season ended was just such a deflating ending, not from a, well, the team struggled, but just like, Oh, the season's over. The last two games are not going to happen. So to have football back on the horizon, to have depth charts, to have camp, like real practices, things starting back up um, is really exciting. And man, I can't wait to be a part of a full Kinnick Stadium some point this season as well. So I think, you know, there's as an Iowa fan, there's just a lot to look forward to. And the excitement is really building, I think, within the football community.
0: For sure. And, and you, you know, you talking about a full Kinnick Stadium just gives me kind of like a goosebumpy kind of feeling. Oh, it, it's gonna feel that that first game when there's fans and stands. It's gonna be insane, you know. It, it it's probably gonna be the loudest we've heard Kinnick in a long time. I think it's gonna be a special moment. But um, yeah. Uh, just w- we want to thank you guys for coming in and and checking out the podcast once again, like you always do. Um, show some love. Leave a comment. Uh, tweet at us. Uh, at Rob DFB for me. At T twenty for uh Thad. You know, let us know what you guys want to hear us talk about. We're probably going to be diving in um, to the podcast that Brian Ferentz just had, uh, the three hour long one. If you haven't listened to that, um, we'll probably be using that as basically a bouncing board for just fleshing out certain things that he was talking about in that podcast Um, and just going in a little bit more in-depthly to things maybe he wouldn't be willing to say or things he didn't want to talk about at that time. But yeah, we are really excited to finally, you know, be close to football season again. And, you know, we look forward to hearing from you guys. So with that said, we will see you in a different podcast. Take it easy.